Hey everyone, I'm Ben Parker here to tell you that the Stat Sheet Podcast is presented by Boxscore Network. Boxscore Network is your one-stop shop for all things NFL podcasts. You want game analysis, betting lines, hot takes, or fantasy advice? Well, check out Boxscore Network and follow Boxscore Network on Twitter at Bscore Network for updates. Welcome back, everybody, to the Stat Sheets podcast. It is a privilege to have you on board, as always. I hope your holidays were fantastic, whether you celebrated or not. And if your New Year is back underway with work and everything, we appreciate you taking some time out here this week. We've got tons of NFL football to cover. Roland is here, as always, in Studio B. Simon in Studio A is here, as always. We are loaded. We have not one, but basically two weeks of football to talk about. Plus, next week coming up, we'll touch on as well. Wildcard teams everywhere, teams eliminated everywhere, teams fighting everywhere, teams injured everywhere. We've got quarterback benches to cover. We've got controversy to cover. We've got uh, referees to talk about. We are loaded. Mm. Welcome back, guys. Let's jump right into it. First of all, Sunday night football, the Packers beat the Vikings 33-10. to 10. Probably not the game that most of us, the NFL included, uh, was hoping that we would see. Probably all were expecting a lot closer game than that, but the Packers step up and win it. Simon, first dibs, man. Yeah, this – I mean, this game really was never – unfortunately, never a fair fight with, with Minnesota putting fifth-round rookie out of BYU, Jaron Hall, in the game to start after Nick Mullins' incredible 400 yards passing but also four in a turnover game um, in Week 16. And, it, it you know, they, they make the switch back to uh, Nick Mullins in the second half. He's able to move the ball a little bit. They get a they get a touchdown drive out of him, all of that. But um, the 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 writing was on the wall at that point. They were down big already at halftime. Kevin O'Connell, I really liked what he said at halftime about making the switch. He said, you know, the score is what it is. Um, but we, you know, we saw what we basically needed to see out of out of Jaron, and, and you know, for his development and and for the team where we're at right now, we're we're making the switch, and that's great. But the more I kind of thought about it, it was. Man, you you kind of put the guy in a bad position. It, this was a must-win game, and I get you can't turn the football over. You know, we'll talk about the Steelers later. Uh, they're in the same position. Mitch Trubisky turns the ball over too much. They go to number three, Mason Rudolph, and it, it fixed a lot of stuff. Jaron Hall just is not ready to make enough positive plays as a starting NFL quarterback yet. Makes you wonder about man, should they have kept you know roll rolled with Josh Dobbs a little longer? Should they have trusted Nick Mullins as as a veteran now to to not turn the football over? Um, and against a soft Packers defense too, man, it, it feels a little like a wasted opportunity. And especially for us who were excited to watch this game where Minnesota has been a top 10 defense this year and green Bay has turned into a near top 10 and top 10 by DVOA offense. Um, re- really kind of a bummer, but also pretty interesting to see, um, how that move at the quarterback position kind of impacted where the Vikings were on Sunday night, uh, Ronan. How about you, man? What were your thoughts on that one? You know, I think the real story from Sunday's or Sunday night's game was on the opposite side on offense, uh, the Green Bay Packers. Um, Jordan Love, thir- or 24 of 33, 256 yards, three passing touchdowns, and then he also rushed for one. Um, he's been on a roll this season. A little bit of a slow start, maybe. 
Um, but here these past couple of weeks, he's looked very good. Um, another clean performance, didn't turn the ball over. Um, he, he might be for real. Um, we've seen the Packers go from Favre to Rodgers, and, you know, we were sitting there. There's no way that they go three for three. And they might have because he seems like he's the real deal. Um, he, he's not a he's not someone who will put them into situations uh, where he's kind of a liability. So I, I think the Packers are really onto something here. Uh, the the offense skill position wise might still need some work. Uh, Jaden Reed, who uh, got a little bit banged up, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, he had a good game, six receptions for 89 yards, two touchdowns, and then Bo Melton, six receptions for 105 yards and a touchdown. So we're, we're seeing some, some guys who aren't necessarily household names, uh, some young guys step up into this offense. And you know, kudos to LaFleur for kind of stringing this together because this very easily could have been uh, a complete downfall, you know, post Rodgers. But – here we are, and the, the Packers are still kind of in the mix of that NFC wild card, Ben. Yeah, so I, listen, I'm firmly halfway on the love boat right now, okay? So Jordan Love, I, I'm still in wait-and-see mode on, on some of the things here, but there's no denying that the Packers, it, whether they get in the playoffs or not this year, he's the guy heading into the next year, and they're going to feel very good about that. So, I mean, he's got 30 to touch 30 to 11 touchdown. Uh, to interception ratio, he's passed for not quite 4,000 yards, but he should pass 4,000 yards before the season is over. I mean, they've won five of seven games. That's the most important thing is that they're winning with him, I mean, above all else. So they're they're going to feel good about going in the next season with him, you know, whether they have to give him a little bit of a contract extension or not. They're going to feel good about that. So I feel good about that. Now, listen, you know, there's still some things there that I don't like that I'm hoping we see better things from next year. But I, I like it. I, I really do. So but let me go back to Kevin Connolly here for a minute, Simon, because you started there, and I'll let you go any direction you want when you get the ball back. But Connolly does a lot of things I like. I mean, I like the way that this team seems to always compete with him. The team always seems to have a chance to win. Uh, he seems to push a lot of the right buttons. One of the things I haven't liked this year is this, this quarterback carousel, and that didn't start with him. He didn't want Kirk Cousins gone. But, you know, kind of swapping people around here over the past three, four weeks. I have not liked it. I didn't like it when they first took Dobbs out. And believe me, I get it. You know, we hear all the coaches talk about and the, and the commentators talk about got to hang on to the football. Well, you know, listen, sometimes you're not going to be able to do that with your backup quarterback or your third string guy. You're just not. So if I've got a guy who's aggressive, if I've got a guy who's racking up three, 400 yards, if I've got a guy who is scoring points and we're in the games, then I think that maybe it's just where I'm at. I'm going to quit swapping them out, whether I stick with Mullins or whether I stick with uh, Dobbs. I would have stuck with Dobbs. But it, I, I was a little up in the air on that. I, I, I don't like that. I, I just wouldn't have done all that switching around. And you're right, I didn't think that did Jaron Hall any good, stick him in for the first half of a must-win game, and then pull him back out. I mean, what did you do accomplish there? So I don't think he helped anybody this week, and especially over the past three or four weeks. Yeah, yeah, this one, this one was the tough one because, you know, Dobbs – well, so so Kirk Cousins gets hurt. Uh, they trade for Dobbs. Nick Mullins is on IR at this point. He walked into the year, walked in the regular season as the number two. Jaron Hall was the number three. Nick Mullins is on IR during the season already. Kirk goes down. 
Jaron Hall starts the first game post Kirk. He gets a concussion. That's when Dobbs comes in, right? That's the game. I think it was the Colts game where Dobbs is like learning the cadence with the offensive line on the sideline, right? Um, and then he goes in. He has his great, you know, three, four week run. And then the, the magic started to wear off. I think that I think his last game starting might have been the 3 0 Raiders game, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and it's like, okay, we're not moving the ball and we're turning the football over. We can't have both, right? So then at this point, Nick Mullins is back healthy. Now you go to him. And like, but like you said, Ben, so, so like that, all those moves made sense, right? But then Nick Mullins has the game with all the turnovers and I, I get it. And I'm with you. I wouldn't have made the switch again, right? You, you got to look, be able to look at Mullins who comes in as your number two on the season and say, don't turn the football over. Because guess what? You're you're moving the ball at least, right? We're we're scoring points. We're moving the ball four again, four hundred yards passing, and this guy's gonna, you know, the the quarterbacks that we have seen this year have the most success are pushing the ball. I mean, I know I said Mason Rudolph isn't turning the ball over, but he's pushing the ball downfield too. Um, Jake Browning pushing the ball. You know, uh, the, I mean, we know Taylor Heineke's gonna try to push the ball when he comes in for the Falcons. Um, when you're a backup quarterback, you you can't play scared. Even if you the, the number one thing is you can't turn the football over, you just can't play scared. Um, the the Vikings had scored 24 points in each of the last two games before that game against the Packers. So even with the turnovers that they had in that Lions game, um, you only lose by one score and you get 24 points. I, I don't know if going to the fifth round rookie who hasn't played since what was that week. Maybe it wasn't the Colts game, whoever it was that week. Um, you know, in in five, six weeks, maybe maybe that wasn't the right move. So I didn't I didn't love that uh, from from a coach that I'd normally, like you said, Ben, re- really enjoy. Yeah, and and I'll give you a chance here still, Simon. I didn't like the Dobbs move either because man, you traded for the guy. You're winning with him. I get it. That last game he played was ugly, but you expect that from your backup quarterbacks. You expect ugly. We've seen the Taylor Heineke effect for, what, five, eight years now where he has two or three awesome weeks, and then he has two or three weeks of, you know, like, oh, you're going to be kidding me, man. But if that's the guy you got, that's the guy you roll with. It, it, anyway, that's the way I would do it. Um, I'm, man, switching all these guys around, it's not good for anybody. It's not good for them. It's not good for the team. When you're just kind of rolling dice every week and saying, hey, you know, who, who we're going with here, I, I didn't even like it back that far, even though I understood – what he was thinking at the time. Yeah. And I just went double check. Dobbs played five games for Minnesota. He came in in the Atlanta game. Um, they win. He has two uh, throwing t- passing touchdowns, no interceptions. Then the Saints game the week following, they win, no interceptions. Then the Denver game, it starts to slide. They lose that game by 12 points. He throws one pick. Then the Chicago game, they lose 10 to 12. So their point totals are also decreasing. Um, mm-hmm. the, the five games that he starts, 31 points, 27 points, 20 points, 10 points, 3 points. Now that 3-point wa- uh, game was a win against the Raiders, um, but no touchdowns, no <laughs> interceptions. He takes five sacks, right? That's a big issue. Um, so, so it did feel like the Magic kind of wore off when you had Nick Mullins there, and you're like, man, we just lost two games, and we only won 3-0 against the Raiders. I I mean, I'm with you. I, I would rather just kind of ride it out, but he had four and a half games, really, and it, it was all kind of going downhill. Um, but but I think that's also fair to say, you know, may, maybe you just stick it out with him. But, you know, here – and and if to go, to go to Jaron Hall, 
when you're going to bench Nick Mullins, I think is interesting to do that instead of Dobbs um, in a must-win game. We've seen Dobbs obviously come in and must-win games late in the season uh, and, and play well, but, you know, they wanted to see what they had in Hall. Now, maybe that pays dividends for the future, but maybe it costs them right now. Yeah, and, and you know, listen, every situation is different, but I'll, I'll toss in the Raiders and Pierce, who's doing a pretty good job over there. You know, their point their point totals were lousy for four weeks mm-hmm. in a row. I mean, disgusting. Yep. Ending with losing three to nothing to the Vikings. Well, they didn't switch quarterbacks after that. They stayed McConnell and blew it up for 63. Now, was that going to happen with Minnesota? No, it, it wasn't. We We know it wasn't, but still – I would have preferred Pierce's way of just staying with your guy versus switching them out. And again, you know, that may be a little apples and oranges there because O'Connell's the young guy. They're wanting to kind of give him a chance. But I, I just would have kept with the with the hand that brought me there. And that, at that yeah. point would have been Dobbs. So, yeah, anyway. That's fair. Anything else on this game? Uh, I know we could talk about it all night, but anything else we want to drop in on it? I think we gave it about 11 and a half minutes uh, more than it deserved, Ben, to be completely honest with you. <laughs> Sorry, Vikings. Let's move Shout on to fast, then, uh, to some controversy. I think we all love that. Russell Wilson and uh, Sean Payton and the Broncos. Uh, it's getting a little messy over there. Ronan, jump in on it, man. It is, Ben. Um, it primarily seems like a contract sort of deal. Um that aspect of things you guys are very fluent with, so I'll let you maybe explain that portion of it a little bit more. But just as, you know, a, a whole, th- this entire experiment of Russell Wilson going to Denver has just been a, an utter fa- failure. Um, first with Nate Hackett last year, uh, Hackett comes over, a proven coordinator from Green Bay, and, uh, you know, <laughs> Obviously, Hackett had the ties with Aaron Rodgers, and you know maybe the front office was really shooting for Rodgers, had to settle for Russell Wilson. Uh, we'll never know, I guess. But Wilson comes over, uh, Broncos country, let's ride is born, and then it died soon after. Um, it, it, I, I don't necessarily know if it's all on Russ. Um, I, I'm very interested. You know, had he gone elsewhere uh, after he had left Seattle or if he had not left at all, right. If he had stayed in Seattle, I mean, we're seeing what Geno Smith is doing right now, you know, taking potentially uh, the Seahawks to another wildcard appearance. Um, So had Wilson stayed, we might be singing a different song uh, about him, but right now it's not looking good. And, you know, there's a hefty price tag that the Broncos are going to have to to pay if they want to part with them. And uh, that that's to be determined, Simon. Yeah, man, nasty business. So good lead in on, on the financial side of things. So basically what's happening with Russell Wilson this year is very similar to what happened with Derek Carr last year in the Raiders. Russell Wilson has an injury guarantee in his contract where if he can't pass a physical, I don't know if it's at the end of the year or like at a certain date in the offseason, um, he gets like an extra $30 million guaranteed or something like that. So right now the team owes him however many tens of millions of dollars for next year anyway, somewhere in the like 30 to $40 million, $50 million range, I think. I think their dead cap hit, if they were to move on from him, is it like in the $50 million range? I'm going to look that up now as I'm talking. But um, basically what they're doing now is saying we're eliminated or well, they're now eliminated after this game, Um, funnily enough, despite the win, but we're eliminated, we're moving on, Wilson was playing poorly, 
Champagne's probably been itching to do this all year. Um, we're going to bench him so he doesn't get hurt in these last two games. So that way when we cut him, it's only, oh my God, I was completely wrong, guys. So his cap number would have been $35 million next season. Um, and he's got that injury guarantee somewhere in there for some other large amount of money. His dead cap hit is going to be, if this is right, if it's a pre-June 1st cut, $85 million. It goes down to $35 million if they do a post-June 1 cut, but that does mean they don't have that money available to them in free agency. Um, so that well, there's a whole nerdy minutia there. We, we won't get into any further, but basically they're, they're trying to save themselves a few tens of millions of dollars by making sure he doesn't get hurt because they are planning to move on from him this off season. Part of that I found super interesting about this, it, like this would be fine, right? If they're like, Hey, it's not really working. We gave it a year. Let's make sure he doesn't get hurt. Whatever. Wilson in his little scrum by his locker, when this was announced, said that the team approached him after the. Broncos bye week after their or during the Broncos bye week after they beat the Chiefs and asked him to remove his injury guarantee in his contract or at least lower it or something for this reason. And he knew it was because they were planning on moving on from him. And so what did he do? He stood right. He stood on business, as they say, right? And he said, Not today, man. I'm that is not happening. And they even like threatened to bench him like earlier in the year to because of that. Jokes on them because he kept winning and he kept playing well. So whatever you want to say about Russell Wilson from the last, I don't know, five, seven, ten years of how he's acted or, or conducted his business or with the teams, this guy went out and was told by his team they were going to either take $30 million from him, let's say, or bench him. And he just kept playing and kept winning and, and kept trying to lead the team and make the playoffs. And then eventually enough was enough for Sean Payton and the Broncos. And, and you know they make the call to bench him. Jared Stidham comes in. Again, funnily enough, who came in for Derek Carr last year for the last couple of games when Carr got benched for the same reason? Jared Stidham. So if you're a starting quarterback and Jared Stidham gets signed, um, make sure you keep that injury guarantee uh, locked up in your contract. Ben? Yeah, it, it's messy. The, the finances are messy, which, like you said, we won't deep dive into tonight. The The politics of it is messy. The Russell Wilson age play factor is messy. The fact that they went to him and asked him about this is messy. Um, we have seen a lot of teams wanting to cut a guy as soon as he passes a physical. So, you know, listen, all those injury guarantees that people have talked about for years, they're not completely meaningless, but teams have a workaround that. What we haven't seen as often is this, and that's what teams are starting to think about too is, hey, we're already out of this thing, or hey, we're not going to do a lot, so let's just go ahead and push this guy off to the side and save ourselves some cap space, not on necessarily – well, there, there is some 24, but mainly on the 2025 is where mm -hmm. the real cap savings hits in here. So, you know, if we already know we're going to move on, we already know we're not doing anything this year, basically we know that. You know, so that's where it's a look ahead. And teams are finding ways – they always do – finding ways around this these injury guarantees. Because most of these injury guarantees, these bonuses that kick in for like the following year – most of them kick in somewhere around early March. I don't know about yep. Russell's. I'm not going to check on it. It's usually an early March thing, right? So it's a messy, messy thing, and it's not going to get clean until Russell's gone. It's just not. It's going to stay messy as long as he's there. Run him. No, absolutely. Um, it's Hopefully Wilson can land in a spot where uh, he, he's both welcomed and, you know, uh, met with uh, someone who's – well, actually, no, just welcomed. 
He, he needs to be welcomed. Um, <laughs> he, he does. He does. Um, they smile I, I when he walks in the door. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think Sean Payton was necessarily thrilled to walk into a situation where Russell Wilson was his quarterback. Um, you know, I think the but on the flip side of that, I think that there are plenty uh, head coaches in the league that will gladly take Russell Wilson over what they've got in their locker room uh, heading into week 17. So, you know what, uh, Russ, good luck to you. I, I hope we see some moon balls next year. To that point, I think I, I have an idea of what Sean Payton could have done. It was probably don't take the Broncos job. That's that's just my off, ding, off ding, rip, ding. right there. There's there's one idea. Um, this. What do we think about this part of the discourse, guys, in terms of how we feel about Sean Payton and how we think players who are going to be free agents or players that are currently there whose contracts are going to be up soon? How do we think the the league and other players feel about this? Like uh, this, like this. I know Russell Wilson isn't the most light guy, and I know he wasn't playing all that well, despite what some of the raw stats would tell you. But is this? I mean, Ben, you said it, it's messy, it's nasty. Do we think this is actually going to hurt the Broncos in any way, or is this just like this is life in the NFL? It is what it is. I I do think there's a few players, a handful, probably younger guys that look at this Sean Payton thing and go, eh, maybe that's not for me. I really, though, think that most players in the NFL probably aren't in favor of Russell Wilson very much because I think he's got a bit of a prima donna look to him as far as NFL players go. I'm not speaking for fans or media, but, man, you know, when he's kind of out there rolling with the stars on the red carpet and the tuxedo and the limos and all of that, uh, that's not your average NFL player's vibe. And a lot of – I don't want to say a lot. A few players have already spoken out about that. Most of them won't because, you know, you don't speak out against the club, right? But a lot – I think the vibe around the NFL among the players is Russell just isn't kind of your classic nitty-gritty, grinded-out football player. And I don't think they have a lot of sympathy for him, to be honest. But it, it's my feeling. So I'm yeah, it'll be interesting. Ronan, because of that and to, to your where you were kind of alluding to the idea of where he could go next year, is there a Joe Flacco-esque uh, resurgence in Wilson's career coming forward? Can he kind of remake his his image? Um, and then is there any team that you'd like to see him on next year? I mean, I, I think we're what, maybe three years removed from seeing Russell Wilson uh in a form of you know where we we actually you know whenever we think of russell wilson that's what's on the field uh on sundays so I, I mean we're not that far away from it and he has been going through a lot of ups and downs two years of denver uh that last year in seattle didn't really do him any favors so i think we can absolutely see a resurgence um whether that be you know like a like an mvp candidacy i i, I kind of doubt that but I think he he's going to be he can be good enough to you know help a team make it to the playoffs whether that be you know a, a close win in the division or yeah the division or you know a wild card appearance. But in terms of a team that I'd like to see him play for, um, I, I would say your Pittsburgh Steelers are a very oh, interesting choice. In the podcast, my very God. interesting choice. And then I, I we talk about the Falcons a lot on here. Um, if they can't land one of those top, let's say, three quarterbacks in the draft this year, um, I, I would say Russell Wilson would not be a bad option for you know that offense because it's loaded with talent, just not a whole lot 
uh, of production from the quarterback. And that also ties into the head coach. But before I pass it off here, uh, we were talking about Sean Payton, um, you know, and how the rest of the league views Sean Payton. Peyton came from New Orleans, right, where who did not have a culture. They they had a losing culture um, for the most part. But he came in there and, you know, kind of set things straight and brought them a winning culture. Uh, it was a gritty culture, but, you know, it, kind of similar to the Patriot way, if you will, uh, just kind of grinded it out. And, and then he went to a place that already has a culture. Denver's problem has never been culture. It, it's been, you know, performance on the field. It's been coaching. It's never been, you know, the, the, the front office is corrupt or something, you know, to put it into kind of lame terms. But the, the, the problem has never been culture in Denver, at, at least for the most. I'm sure at some point you know, you'll have someone speaking out, but that happens everywhere. Uh, but you brought a guy who's, based around all around culture into a place that already has a culture. So there's going to be some clashing there. Um, so I, I, I agree, Simon. I, I don't think he should have taken that Denver job. Uh, I think going somewhere like the chargers who have had a culture problem would have been the the right. I'll, I'll, I'll say that until, until the end of time. I know they didn't have the, the head coaching option or the head coaching slot open, but you know, here we are a year later and they do. So uh, I think that was the clear choice. I think Peyton even kind of made it obvious that he wanted to go to L.A., uh, whether that be for the Rams or the Chargers, because McVay's name was in the hat for uh, commentating. So, yeah, I, I just I don't think uh, he he was he was the right fit there. And obviously, you know, they haven't had a whole lot of success in the past two years, so it's easy to say, but. I mean, you just look at what he brings and what he bases himself, his coaching style around, and then you look at, you know, what Denver kind of needed, and the two just never, never matched. Ben? Yeah, I see, I agree on Peyton. I thought I even went so far out, and, and we all did, to say, hey, he maybe should at least think about sitting out another year and catching that Chargers job if it opens up. And then again, that's risky business because nobody knew if it would, you know. I mean, if the Chargers have made the playoffs this year, that, that job probably doesn't open up, right? So, you know, I, I understand why he didn't do that. But, you know, we thought at the end, we thought it, we think it now, uh, Peyton of the Chargers would have been a good fit. Remember when, um, like, the day before he, he got signed, where he, we found out that he wasn't even, like, the top two options for the Broncos? Do you guys remember? Think about how long ago that feels and and what the world would look like because they they made like one last ditch effort to get D'Amico Ryan's and then he goes to Houston and then they fly to Jim Harbaugh and they try to bring him in and he's like no I'm gonna stay in Michigan another year and man maybe Jim Harbaugh would, I mean I don't Ben did they did they just win that game tonight by the way Michigan beat they Alabama did. right so yeah, maybe he's I, okay sure I was gonna I say that. with with his yeah. suspension and that controversy maybe maybe he wishes he was in the NFL but probably not tonight he's probably quite happy. Oh, man, like it was like, oh, Champagne was only their third option. This that's tough. It's tough out there in Denver. Uh, Ronan, you mentioned a couple quarterbacks. I want to ask you guys about something here, real quick. You mentioned a couple teams that could be looking at quarterbacks. The 2022 quarterback class is not looking too hot, and we knew that coming out of the draft, we knew it going into the draft. Um, I had like a two week love affair where I was like, you know, Kenny Pickett can be a guy. And now I don't know if Kenny Pickett can be a guy. Um, 2022 quarterbacks drafted 
or 2022 drafted quarterbacks that have been benched in just the last couple of weeks since we last spoke. Kenny Pickett basically benched. Uh, he is he is officially healthy. He's going to be able to have a regular full week of practice this week. And the team is sticking with Mason Rudolph for the week 18 against the Ravens. Um, the Atlanta Falcons, since we last spoke, have benched Desmond Ritter for a second time this year. Um, and the Washington Commanders benched Sam Howell, who then ended up playing because Jacoby Brissett got hurt. This isn't even to mention guys like Malik Willis, who the Titans drafted another quarterback one year after drafting him. Matt Corral, who I don't think is on a team right now. Uh, Bailey Zappi, uh, I believe, was in that class, right? He's uh, having a rough go uh, coming in for Mac Jones this year. Um, the 2022 quarterback class is having a rough go. Ben, when, when you kind of look back on this class, how do you feel about that? And then, yeah, to, to Ron's point, talking about Steelers and, and Falcons, to bring it back to Russell Wilson, do you think those are teams that should be looking at Wilson? Yeah, I, great conversation here. I'll try not to stay on it too long, okay, because I can talk about this for an hour. Um, the 22 quarterback class, or yeah, yeah the, the, that rookie quarterback class, ultimately what's bearing out here is what majority opinion was, and that this is a weak quarterback class. Now, basically everybody, all three of us and everybody in the media, we all have basically one quarterback that we liked. I liked uh, Kenny Pickett. It hasn't looked good. Uh, Simon, I know you were higher on Desmond Ritter. And while he has shown more things this year than Pickett, ultimately he's getting sat down, most of it for injuries. I'm not for injuries, but for, for turnovers. And mm -hmm. then, you know, the, the media was in love with Malik Willis, just told us every week for weeks that he would be drafted top five, and then he fell completely out. Um, you know, but again, most of us were like, hey, there's one guy, and then the rest is just forget about it. Well, turns out we were all right. <laughs> that this just wasn't a good quarterback class. Not even the guy we liked, right? <laughs> so it's, it, you know, I wouldn't give up on any of these guys, um, but I would love to pair them with somebody if I'm not going to get reach up high on the draft. Now, still, my favorite move is if you don't like this guy, go ahead and go get the guy you really want, even if that means giving up a lot of draft picks to get a first or second pick overall and get the guy you like. That's, that's my favorite route. But if you're not going to do that or you can't do that or you don't feel like that's the right way to do things, then you pair this younger guy that maybe you want to give one more season to with a veteran like a Russell Wilson. Now, I'll frame it this way. If I've got to pay Russ 20 to $30 million, forget about it. I have no interest for any team in the NFL. I can't find one single team in the NFL that I want him to come in for that price tag for. So if he wants us to roll out the red carpet and give him $30 million a year for three years or whatever, forget about it. I am not interested in any way. But if he wants a little bit of a $10, $15 million a season for a couple of seasons, and we pair him with the younger guy, and he's willing to operate that way, and he's willing to fight for the job, if he doesn't win it, he's willing to work with the younger guy, then I'm interested. You know, the price tag's not too steep. And I feel like, hey, there's still maybe enough left in the tank. But I'm not sure he's the kind of guy that wants to do that, to be honest. You, you know, I, I don't know that he's the kind of guy that wants to show up and work hard only to be the backup. I'm not sure he's the kind of guy that's willing to be paid 10, 12, 15 million dollars a season versus 30, 40, 50. So, you know, I, I'm just not sure that he's that kind of guy, but that's where I would be. So if the price tag is low and he looks cooperative, you know, I'm interested that if he's if he's wanting red carpet and large price tags, I I couldn't be less interested. Uh Rona. No, I, I completely agree. I think that there's definitely a threshold there for, uh, you know, whether it's worth it or not to add Wilson to your squad. 
Um, to kind of piggyback off of the 2022 quarterback class, um, yeah, I, I think we we knew that it wasn't the strongest of quarterback classes, but I don't think any of us expected it to go like this. Uh, this has kind of given the vibe of I think it was 2013. I think it was mm-hmm. Geno Smith's draft class where it was like Geno went in the second round. Uh, who went in the first? Was it Taj yeah, Boyd? Who was the Ohio State guy? Cordell. Something that's gonna bug me. I'll, if you I'll tell me, I'll remember. It. Listeners are yelling at us. I'll, I'll get it. You keep talking, Ron. Cardell but, Jones. Uh, just no. Just wait, that's not. not... Oh, was it no. Cardell Jones? No, he was a couple of years later. I think that he was the Ohio no, different. Ohio oh, was it Terrell Pryor? No, no, because he came in as a receiver, ended up being a receiver. Listeners are yelling at us. You just keep talking, Ronan. Let's not sound any stupider than we already are. And I just said stupider on a podcast, so. Stupider. Uh, but the, the 2022 quarterback draft class, um, personally, I, I, I'm i not tied to any of them. Um, I, I think you can make the case to go ahead and move on from any of them. Uh, but on the on the flip side, you can argue, hey, they have shown something uh, because Pickett has shown things. Uh, he he's stepped up in a few big game moments. I, I see you laughing whenever I say Pickett, Kenny Pickett stepped up. Pickett has shown things. No, he, I mean you're no, you're right though. He has stepped up, but just the idea. He's he's shown stuff. He th- well, he you know all that we look we watched him do it. <laughs> That all these things are true. All these things there are, are things. true. He played football. Um, <laughs> he has. He was on the field playing. Yes. Um, but personally, uh, out of at least the three that we've talked about, I kind of like Sam Howell, and you know he's been a bit too much of a gunslinger, uh, but he's also had you know people hounding after him all season long. I think he's still the most sacked player in the league. Uh, if not, he he's up there. Um, but he, he Howell has shown things in Bienemy's offense. Um, it, I I'm interested to know how much of it is Bienemy kind of working his craft, and how much of it is Howell kind of I don't know, absorbing everything. But it, not a good time to be a 2022 uh, rookie or just quarterback from that class. Uh, Malik Willis, as you guys have mentioned probably won't be getting too much of a chance. Um, it, maybe one of these guys gets uh, another option in fighting for a spot or a starting gig or you know solid backup and then having to step up and maybe win in a couple of games uh, in place of the starter. But it, it's going to be interesting, Simon. Yeah, there's one 2022 quarterback we haven't mentioned that it's going pretty well for, and it's Brock Purdy, and every team could have had him. So that's, that's upsetting. Um my quick thoughts on this. I don't think Wilson works for any of these teams in particular. It It's probably Washington that's the best bet. But if you're going the Wilson route in 2024, that means you're doing like a lower investment at quarterback. Because I'm with Ben. Like Wilson should not. It's not a guy that anybody should be signing to be like the bona fide starter really kind of deal. Like the, uh, Wilson is in the situation that Baker Mayfield was in last year, I think, where it's like you're signing him to maybe be a bridge quarterback. Like, we kind of have a void at the position, so let's just throw a veteran on there. Now it's a bummer because Wilson, obviously, a much better, much more storied career than Baker when he did this last year. But 
look, it's worked out for Baker. He's in a position where he might be the Bucks quarterback again next season. You know, we'll we'll wait and see. Um, but I think if you're the Steelers, it's too much controversy with Kenny. I think that's gonna be like a low either a high draft pick or a lower um a lower tier move than going to get a Russell Wilson to compete with Kenny Pickett. I think if you're Atlanta, uh, you need to go get uh, one of these top three quarterbacks in the draft. Probably you clearly don't believe in Desmond Ritter, although maybe Arthur Smith won't be the coach anymore. And, and Sam Howell, I think shout out Robertson Vire. I was talking to him about this over the weekend, uh, Ben's partner on odds on favorite, but it depends on what the new regime wants. If the new regime is like Ben in his interview for the Washington commanders on odds on favorite, everybody go check it out. Um, and you're like, scrap this. We're going to go get, the next guy with one of the top two picks of the draft. Okay, go do it. And if you're like, hey, we're going to insulate this position a little bit, make it a little easier on on Howell and, and see what we have in him for one more year by drafting another offensive lineman, trying to get edge rushers back to make the defense pretty good again, then then do that. Um, so so we'll see. We'll see on those 2022 guys how that works out. I don't know if Wilson's the, the guy for any of those spots. I'd love to see him just go in somewhere where he's like legitimately the backup, like almost like, um, and again, I'm comparing him to much lesser quarterbacks in terms of career value, but like what Mitch Trubisky did leaving the bears going to the bills. It was like, I'm a hope high profile guy. Cause I was the second overall pick just four years ago in the draft that Patrick Mahomes was in. But now I'm going to somewhere where I'm clearly the backup, like no, no, not even like QB two, right. Where it's like, Ooh, I'm right behind QB. I'm clearly the backup. I'd love to see Wilson go do that somewhere. It would be hilarious if it was the Jets. That was honestly the first team that came to mind. Just Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson and Nate Hackett. Just I'm sure, I'm sure everybody would love that and have a great time. Um, but yeah, that's where we're at. I don't have a real place for Russell Wilson yet because, like Ben, I don't know if he's if he's willing to do that. And I think that's the the right move for him. So maybe I don't know what what did the Rock just announce this week that the the, the there's the United Football League, right? The, those two leagues combined. Maybe go go do that for a year. I don't know. Might be fun. Ben? Yeah, that's the thing. I, I think Russell Wilson's got a lot of options open to him outside the NFL. I, I really do. So we'll see what else he ends up with, but um, if it's NFL or not. So, all right. Uh, a couple of quick things. Simon, I'll let you get first deal to whichever one you want or both. So Jair Alexander suspended one game. I think everybody would love to hear you lay that out. And then um, Broncos wave safety Kareem Jackson, who was then claimed off the tech, off the waivers by the Texans. So, Simon? Yeah, I'll do Kareem Jackson first because that's just a, a roster move we don't really need to talk about. But Kareem Jackson, safety for the Broncos, coincidentally enough, was waived uh, last week. The Texans claimed him. Jackson was a first-round pick by the Texans, I think, in 2010. Was actually teammates with D'Amico Ryans on, on that team at that time. And the uh, – and safety Jimmy Ward was just put on IR this week or this week or last week um, by the Texans. He was brought over by D'Amico Ryan to be that veteran safety for those young defensive backs. Um, and, and now they just kind of, you know, one for one swap, get a, get a veteran in there. Ryan's was happy to to have a veteran who's made a lot of big plays and been in a lot of big games um, on the roster. The Jair Alexander suspension was uh, for this past week in week 17 because of something that happened in week 16 alexander in the game against the uh the, the carolina panthers was not named a captain for the game but went out for the coin toss got was the one to speak to the ref about what the packers wanted to do the whole verbiage of defer the selection for winning the coin toss or defending first is has always been silly but he messed it up 
and almost cost the Packers what they wanted to do at the coin toss. The And, and it was a 33-30 to 30 game. Green Bay decided to suspend Alexander for week 17. Alexander has had a tough year, a lot of injuries, the natural up and down play of playing cornerback in the NFL. You have good years, you have bad years. He's been hurt a bunch, back injuries, I think a shoulder injury. Um, he's still only 26, but him, along with many guys on the defense, are signed to very long-term and big contracts. Um, the defensive coordinator uh, is somebody that is probably not going to be around next year. It's a very, very bad defense overall. Um but, you know, Ronan, I'll kick it to you first with, with Alexander. You know, it, it was just really interesting. I, I, and, and he's going to be back in week 18. They're still very much in the playoff hunt. Um, but this this is going to be interesting to see kind of play out. Like, do, do the Packers make a move to make their defense as young after this year? Is this a thing where Alexander could be on the uh, on on those his way out because of how this year has gone? Or, you know, what, what else could happen here? But what do you think of those two moves or you know, either I, of those moves? I think in terms of the Alexander fiasco, um, I, I think that it's very realistic that he could be moved after this year. Um, as you said, he's 26. He's on a big deal. Um, he hasn't necessarily performed up to his contract that the Packers have paid him. Um, there are a lot of factors that go into that. Um, so whether he's uh, traded, whether he's cut and then uh, signed, picked up somewhere else, um I think it's very realistic that Alexander can uh, move at, at some point this off season, but I, I don't, I don't know if you can, you know, cut him and say that it's for, you know, like, like a, a switch in schematically, or, you know, we, we, I, that, that's, that's probably, Hey, he's a bad apple. Um, we want to kind of cut ties with that. Um, and so you do, and we've seen that with, with players, but we've also seen those players go elsewhere and have success, you know? So, um, it, it, it's always, it's, it's both ways. Um, there might be some friction within, uh, the, for the Packers and Alexander's relationship. Um, you, him not being a captain just in general is kind of surprising to me. Um, I'm not in, entirely familiar with how captains work, uh, on a week-to-week basis, but you know, whenever you think of the Green Bay Packers, uh, Jair Alexander is definitely one of those names that you think would be one of the leaders of that team. So I, I do think that it, it it it's interesting that he's not a captain. Um, it, you know, I'm, maybe he has been earlier this year uh, at some points, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he feels slighted in that, and he's kind of acting out. You know, to kind of you, you never know. You never know. Um, but hopefully we get to see him on the field, uh, in the future. Uh, he, he's been a heck of a player since he's come into the league and, uh, been a, a pretty big part of that Packers defense, Simon. Yeah, I could, I could see this going one or two ways and, and Ben, I'm excited to hear what, what you have to say. I, I could see them doing what I think the Chargers should do with their defense and just say, this is an expensive defense. There's a lot of aging guys on here. For the Packers, I think they could get value out of these defensive players. Um, and we're just going to clean house because it's been a bad defense. Or we could say, hey, we're going to get a real defensive coordinator in here and we could have like a Cleveland Browns-esque turnaround, right, who we saw be a bottom defense for the last few years, pretty much keep the roster intact um, from last year to this year. They they had uh, uh, the, the nose tackle. Um, from Minnesota, 
and Dalvin Tomlinson, and and they you know are now a top two defense in the NFL just just by getting the right defense coordinator. So I could see them going either way. What do you think about Alexander? What do you think about the Packers defense of the future? I mean, my my preferred method is not to do with the Packers, the Chargers, and the um, the Bills have done. That is to keep these guys to keep a cluster of guys for a long period of time. I really prefer as a general manager kind of a mindset. You need to shed some skin every year. You don't need to keep the same old band. Listen, this isn't a five-star rock band where you got to keep the same five key guys together. It really needs to be more like the college mold where you let a guy go every year, you know, and you replace him every year or you do something else to, you know, I don't, I'm not a huge replacer, but you do something else to update the roster every year. That's that's the way you stay balanced age-wise and cap-wise. It's, it's really just the best way to do it for me. But um, anyway, what I need more of, I need more people like Jair Alexander stepping into places they shouldn't be and doing things they shouldn't be doing. I mean, that's just a lot of fun. <laughs> I don't know what he was doing there in the first place or why he even wanted to be out there. Um, I Roland mentioned maybe he felt slighted. Listen, I just need more of that. I need more players doing things that are just weird and odd. I need more security people on the sidelines putting hands on people that they shouldn't be putting their hands on. It's a lot of excitement and fun for us, Simon. I think he said I think he said he was from Charlotte, but the way he described it in that post post game press conference, he was like, Yeah, I don't think I don't think Coach LaFleur knew I was from Charlotte. So obviously he just forgot that I should be out there for it. And just like that's not Again, like, like I don't know. Does everybody that's named a team captain just go out there for every coin? And like, usually it's not that because those guys are like on the sideline getting guys ready for the game. Uh, it's a team by team, but it's just like for him to be like, "I'm from here." Of course, I'm gonna. It's like when when you're in kindergarten and it's your birthday, so you get to be the line leader. It's like, no, it's my turn to be out there, guys. I was I live here. Uh, I shouldn't have compared a professional athlete, a grown man, to a kindergartner. That's not really what I was going for. Sorry, uh, no disrespect. Um, no. Look, let's run up my alley. See, I, I I need more quarterbacks to be stepping into huddles with saying, "Hey, I thought I was supposed to be the starter this week." You know, I mean, you know, maybe maybe uh, maybe two Vikings guys can step into the huddle next week and fight over, you know, do rock paper scissors over who's the starting quarterback. A, a game of chicken, like, no, I'm staying in this huddle. Like, I don't know what you're gonna do. Yes. You're gonna stay here too. Like, we can see what happens, but um, yeah, tough. Tough stuff. All right, Ben, get us back on track, man. All right, so uh, let's do a few injuries here, and uh, I've got them pulled up. So, Simon, uh, I'm going to call it three injuries. You tell us which of these injuries will have the biggest impact on the postseason. We won't necessarily cover everything. So, Dolphins edger, Bradley Chubb, ACL out for this season, and quarterback Zayvon Howard, foot week to week. The Cowboys guard, Tyler Smith, has foot plantar fat nine. I'll let you pronounce that word, but anyway, day to day. Jags quarterback Trevor Lawrence, of course, everybody knows he's been banged up for a few weeks now, but specifically it's the shoulder right now. Missed this week, hopeful for week 18. Yeah, I'm going to go with just the Dolphins in general. Like like you said, Trevor Lawrence should be back soon. They're hopeful he's going to be back soon. Um, and he was playing well even through the injuries, so I think he'll continue to play well when he does come back. Um, Ian Rappaport had, had tweeted out when, the, when Tyler Smith fully tore his plantar fascia in his foot that's actually a good thing long term because it's something that if it's a partial tear there's nothing to do about it and it's just kind of a pain tolerance thing so he's been playing through this for a couple weeks and now that it's fully torn like he's probably going to be out next week to recover from it but like now now it's done right now now the pain is over basically um it's not anything that like heal like you need surgery for or like what like you could play on it so he should be good for the playoffs i think 
the Dolphins is where it's at, man, because this team lost Jalen Phillips early in the year. They've been working Jalen Ramsey back. Um, we weren't sure what this defense was going to look like come playoff time. Javon Holland, I think, has been banged up dealing with injuries. But here's all the guys that got hurt just in this game against the Ravens, which was a blowout. We were going to talk about this game, and now we're not going to anymore because it, it got nasty. Um, but Bradley Chubb, in the last three minutes of a 56-19 game, tears his ACL. Tough stuff. Xavier Howard, cornerback, who's dealt with injuries on and off the last couple of years. Um, he hurts his foot, I think, pretty early in the game. He even got it carted off uh, in Oswego just before we started recording. He's probably going to miss the Sunday night game against the Bills. That game is obviously for the division. Um, and let's also not forget that Tua, uh, he banged up his shoulder in the fourth quarter of the game. So that's not great. Uh, Raheem Mostert, running back, he didn't even play in this game because of nagging injuries that he couldn't. Uh, the The quote was basically, he's been dealing with these left leg injuries all year, but usually he like manages it through the practice week and works his way back and then can play. And this time he couldn't. Like he couldn't get ready for the game basically by by the end of the practice week. That's not good, right? Talking about an older running back. Um, and then Jalen Waddle last week after week 16 or in week 16, he got a high ankle sprain. And, and Coach Mike McDaniel said that he basically was probably going to be out for the rest of the regular season. So that's something that he's going to be dealing with going into the postseason. So it's definitely the Dolphins who are banged up, who going into this game, it was like, man, they could be the one seed. And now it's like they're missing half their starters and they're playing for – the division to not even to, to, to not be a wild card team in week 18 against the red hot bills. So tough look for the dolphins right now, Ben. Yeah. And, and all of these will have some impact, but um, I agree with you. That's going to be the heaviest blow right there. Ronan, I'll flip you another cluster as well here. So Eagles wide receiver, Devonte Smith ankle day to day was on crutches and in a walking boot Packers wide receiver, Jaden Reed ribs day to day and Vikings tight end TJ Hawkinson knee uh, injury. Um, he is out for the season. You know, Ben. Uh, in terms of you know an impact of the on the playoffs, uh, the Eagles you know, over the Packers and the Vikings kind of have the the surest claim to a playoff appearance. And Devontae Smith has been a, a pretty large part of their offense. Um, in the passing game, it's been primarily him, uh, him and AJ Brown, and. Uh, Smith day to day was seen like you said on crutches and a walking boot. That's not necessarily what you want to see. Um, you know, week seventeen, um, they pro he probably won't play next week. You would assume uh, with the Eagles you know, making it to the playoffs, he, there's not much of a need uh, for him to go out there and, and play hurt. So. It's it's going to be hopefully that's not something that lingers throughout you know, the beginning of the playoffs and so on if the Eagles are able to keep playing. But ankle injuries this late into the season, um, they're 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 fickle. So hopefully he can he can get healthy. Hopefully all these guys can get healthy. But that's going to be one to keep an eye on, Ben. All right, we'll keep an eye on all these injuries, and there will be more. I'm sure as the playoffs goes on, it has been quite a season for injuries. We usually have a bunch. I feel it feels like we've had more higher impact injuries this year than any that I can really truly remember in, in quite a while. Uh, Sunday night football. We're going to cover that right after this break. Hey everyone, I'm Ben Parker. And I'm Robert Zenvire, and we are the Odds on Favorite, presented by Boxcore Network. 
Every week, we analyze NFL point spreads, over-unders, props, futures, and much more. Follow us on Twitter at OddsOnFavorite and listen on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. What's up, everyone? I'm here to tell you about the Simon Short Podcast. Every Thursday, I deep dive topics related to the NFL, pro hoops, pop culture, and more. Be sure to subscribe to the Simon Short Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, I'm Connor. I'm Billy. And I'm Austin. And we're the host of the Tricky Takes Podcast presented by the Box Score Network. We talk about all things sports ranging from golf, baseball, football, NBA, and all college sports. Come give us a listen and make sure you follow us over on Twitter at Tricky Takes. And that's tricky with two eyes. All right. Welcome back, everybody. And we do encourage you to listen to all of our sister podcasts. We have quite a few out there. Put Most of it being put out week to week from a variety of different angles. So please check it out. Uh, before the break, I said that we were going to cover the Sunday night football game. It was actually a Monday night football game that was played on Saturday night. So not a Sunday night game. But in any case, uh, it was quite a game. Cowboys and Lions, 20-19. Uh, to 19, Of course, the Cowboys end up with the victory. But it had a whole lot of controversy at the end, Simon. Yeah, let's let's start off with the messiness, right? We we love that. That should be the tagline of this podcast. We love the messiness. So the Lions basically drive down the field. Um, they score at the end of the game. They score a touchdown. Uh, you know that they, they they've been playing from behind for most of the game. And listen, this is the Dan Campbell Detroit Lions, baby. This is the most aggressive team in the NFL, which they told us many times on this broadcast. They go for it on fourth down more than any other team. They're coming off of just clinching the division for the first time in about 2,000 years, and they're they're ready to go for it. They're not holding back. They're not playing for overtime, mostly because they hadn't had much success stopping Dak Prescott, especially since they start passing the ball more. I'll talk about that later. Um, but they go for two, and then there's a penalty, and they got to go for two again. And then there's a weird thing with the refs, and then they got to go for two again, and then they, I think, had to go for two again, and, and it didn't. It didn't work out. All in all, the Lions lose. But here's the controversy. In that second go-for-two attempt, the Detroit Lions run a play that they've run before this year where Dan Skipper, backup offensive lineman, comes in. He, Penny Sewell, right tackle, and Taylor Decker, left tackle, all kind of meet up at the ref at the same time. Brad Allen, I think was the ref's name, um, the the head ref of this game, and there, there's kind of a – there ends up being a, a miscommunication on who is reporting as eligible for this play. So the play that they line up, Taylor Decker lines up uncovered at the end of the line on the left side as the tight end. Um, basically, everyone on the line shifts down one. Dan Skimper is playing right guard. Uh, Penny Sewell is playing right tackle. And Jared Goff drops back. Taylor Decker leaks out, catches the two-point conversion. Looks like the Lions are going to win this game. And then the ref calls Taylor Decker for illegal touching of the football. He didn't report as eligible. Dan Skipper did. Many, many issues with this, namely that there's pretty much video evidence of Taylor Decker walking up to the ref first, clearly talking to him, and then Dan Skipper walking to towards that huddle I mentioned after the ref had already walked away. Dan Skipper had reported as eligible a couple times already during the game. So it seems that Brad Allen or Brian Allen, whatever his name is, um, just saw Skipper running over or or just saw Skipper on the field and assumed that he was the guy that reported as eligible. Post-game, Dan Campbell, Jared Goff, Taylor Decker, everybody even mentioned 
that they told the refs about this play before the game even happened. They said, hey, here's the play. We've run it a couple times this year. Dan Campbell reportedly even drew it on a piece of paper and gave it to them. Uh, shout out to the Jimmy Butler throwing the statue meme. Um, and this was a huge, just like a huge fumble by the refs. I've told you guys many times before, as a former ref, I, I'm normally the defender of refs. When it comes to like bang bang calls and just penalty flags in general, like that's that stuff. So much of it is like judgment and feel and all this stuff. Like you can defend a lot of that stuff if you're being fair about it. The thing that kills me about officiating that I get mad about is process. What's the process of what you're doing and what's the like the formality and the logistics of how you're doing things? And this was terrible. I mean, that what kills me about this eligible receiver thing is sometimes they announce the head ref announces it over the PA and sometimes they don't. Number 70 is reported as eligible. And they didn't do that for this one, right? They, they reported they they released the report at the end of the game about when they asked refs questions and he said he told ran over and told the defense 70 was reported as eligible. But no one can hold him accountable to that because all he did was tell the defense. And and some of the Cowboys players said, yeah, he told us 70 was eligible, so we didn't cover 68. And it's like, well, okay, that kind of makes sense for why he got so wide open. But like we couldn't hear that, and then we couldn't have the evidence that he said the wrong guy because all this other stuff happened. And by the way, if he reported it over the PA, like what do you think would have happened? Like maybe a timeout by Dan Campbell. Maybe Jared Goff tells him they have to call an official timeout, whatever. But they probably sort it out if they actually do that. So that's the controversy at the end of the game, the Lions. And, of course, everyone jumps to the hole. The Lions won this game and the refs took it away. Well, never mind that, you know, 20 points, the 96-yard pass to C.D. Lamb, the, you know, uh, missed sack on Dak Prescott in the end zone, the fourth down, turnover on downs in the red zone in the second quarter, all that other stuff to get into. But. This is the controversy happening in the game. Who was reported as eligible versus not? Ronan, I'll throw it to you, man. How'd you feel about the end of this game? Um, you know, uh, in the moment, you know, you're sitting there. Uh, well, I was personally sitting there, uh, yelling at my TV because, um, it, it seemed like they just got it wrong. It seemed like Decker clearly, uh, tried to make himself eligible. Uh, it did not seem like Skipper did. And it just seemed like a blunder. And it kind of felt, uh, if you kept watching the broadcast, uh, it kind of felt rushed at the end because it's like, all right, all right, let's get it over with. Like, all right, we, we know, we know, you know what, what the consensus is. Uh, and then I don't know if you guys watched, but uh, afterwards, I, I forget who the ref, I believe it's a former ref, uh, hopped on with Scott Van Pelt and was kind of, trying to uh, defend the the ref's kind of perspective on the entire matter. And even Scott Van Pelt was just sitting there, like, pushing back against the whole narrative. Like, no, this this is not okay. Like, it's because I people are saying, or I guess ref defenders are saying that uh, Decker should have, like, completely ensured that the ref knew what was going on. But I mean, I don't know how else you can ensure someone knows other than going up to them and saying something. Um, it, it just seems like the ref did not know uh, who was you know, speaking, I guess, and, or it, and some wires got crossed, and uh, the, the Lions paid the price for it. Uh, Simon, I, I agree. I don't think the game came down to – well, I, I guess in a way it did, but I, I don't think uh, you can sit there and blame just the refs for the loss. Um, you even look at the Lions 
going for it that the second time after the the illegal touching call right they're backed up seven yards away i believe uh and they go for it right they kind of lucked out drew a penalty flag and was able to scoot up again uh ultimately to not get the two-point conversion but I mean, you don't get it on that first attempt with the illegal touch and you try again, just go for the PAT, you know, send it to overtime. Uh, Something like you mentioned, the Cowboys were on a roll, but man, if you're 10 yards away from the end zone and you've got to have a play there, like that's, that's a big roll of the dice. Um, And, you know, it, it ultimately just didn't pay off for the Lions in the end, Ben. So I thought this was a great game between two pretty evenly matched teams. We've really thought all season long, most most people talk about these two teams, have them pretty, pretty close, no matter which team you like better. And listen, the Lions did a lot of things that they're going to look back on and say, man, we just didn't play well, because they didn't. There were a lot of moments in this game that were ugly moments where the offense didn't play well. They had 13 points up until this fiasco here at the end. They had the interception right before the two-minute conversion, our two-minute uh, timeout. Uh, they, you know, they, they had a lot of things to look back on, but I can't bring any memory away from this game other than that the Lions got hosed here. As I look at that particular play, that particular two-point conversion, it looks to me like, based on everything that I'm seeing and being shown and, and being told, that the Lions did everything right on that play, and they had put themselves in a spot to win the game, and it got ripped away from them is, is what I'm seeing. Now, again, they had another shot at it. So I don't feel super sorry for the Lions here, and it may not change a whole lot because by the time you look at the 49ers win, 49ers may have already locked up that one seed anyway. So I, I'm not sure it changes a whole lot necessarily, but still, all things considered, it looked like they did everything right on that play, and it looked like they got – they got hosed here is my feeling on it, Simon. Yeah, and, and I mean, they definitely did. Don't get me wrong. Like, they they had the game won. Dallas had 23 seconds left. I don't – they didn't have – I don't think they had any timeouts left. Um, So they would have had to drive the field in 23 seconds to, you know, at least try to kick a field goal, which they absolutely could have done. It, it, it's definitely a possibility. I'm not saying that, that, that the game was over, but, like, the Lions, like you said, Ben, not only put themselves in position to win, they did get the lead, and it got taken away by, again, not a judgment call, not a, oh, that's a ticky-tack foul. Why'd you call it? Because it is a foul, like the Chiefs game a few weeks ago. Like, this was a procedural error that the refs made, and that's that is that's extremely, extremely, extremely frustrating. Um, should we talk about the actual game now, the other stuff that happened in the it, first uh, 59 <laughs> minutes of the game? Uh, here, Here's the main thing that stood out to me, and to, to focus on the Dallas Cowboys here a little bit, it's the fact that the Cowboys still can't run the football, guys, and, and I think that's going to be a big issue come playoffs. Um, let's see, what were the actual splits for the full game? I think uh, like 60 yards in total, something like that. Um, but yeah. something that I wanted to, to look at specifically – was a first down usage so the cowboys kept running especially in the second half they really wanted to get it going um so so here we go cowboys run game beyond an effective 21 carries for 61 yards on the day they wanted to really rectify this this in the second half specifically they i mean they were moving the ball well in the first half but they wanted to get the run game going so they started running a ton on first down they had 11 total first down plays in the first half and it was eight to three in favor of pass attempts versus runs. 
in the second half, it was uh they had 15 first down plays and it was nine to six running. Um, so here here are more of the splits on that. Three runs in the first half on first down for one total yard versus eight passes for 59 yards. Very good. And they're leading seven to three at halftime with a turnover and that goofy touchback rule that happened on CD Lamb. Um so they're they're winning despite the two crazy turnovers by passing the ball in the first down. Um, first down plays in the second half. They ran it eight times for 14 yards, and they passed it four times for 29 yards. Just what are we doing, man? Like why continuing to run on first and long when Tony Pollard hasn't had a great season, when you're running behind you know Tyler Smith who's banged up, um, against this Lions run defense, which has been playing pretty well this season. It's a pass defense you should be attacking. You're having success with it. So you're really shooting yourself in the foot. And speaking of foot injuries, Tyler Smith, I wanted to see when he got injured, what happened, right? What did they continue to do? So Tyler Smith gets hurt with about two minutes to go in the third quarter. So here's our run-pass split after he went out. Before Smith went down, they uh, ran the ball 15 times for 41 total yards, and they passed the ball 23 times for 237 yards. Pretty even split, right? So over 70% of the game had been played with Tyler Smith in the game, and pre-injury, 40% of the time they were running the ball, 60% of the time they were passing the ball. After he got hurt and after he left the game, 23 plays were run. Six of them were runs for 20 yards. And 17 of them were passes for 108 yards. So they that split went down to 26% runs when Tyler Smith went out. So like if uh, I said his fully torn plantar fascia is probably good for him in the long term, it was probably good for the Cowboys too for this game because they just all ex- almost exclusively started passing the ball. And, and that helped them kind of regain the lead and regain some momentum, and, and they were able to win this game. Um so, so the run game was my first big takeaway for Dallas. This is a big issue. It's going to be an issue come playoffs. Um, it's why for both them and Detroit, getting the second seed and playing indoors as much as possible is going to be helpful because if they have to go, uh, well, I guess San Francisco is going to be, be a big deal to run outside. But like, hey, if Philly is the five seed, right? And if you got to play them in the wild card or in the divisional round or something, um, you got to go run, try to run the ball in Philly against that, like, I don't know, man. Might be might be tough. Ronan, what was uh anything else from this game that was kind of a big takeaway for you? Um, you know, obviously C D Lamb went nuclear, uh, thirteen receptions, two hundred and twenty-seven yards and a touchdown. Um, he, he is among the best in the league at what he does. Uh on the flip side, Goff's two picks, they came kind of at costly times. Uh I forget mm-hmm. which whether it was his first or second one. I did he throw both of them in the the second half? I think so. Uh, uh, actually, no. I, one I, of them might have been. I think it was one each half. I there was one in the second half where we were kind of sitting around, and it was like, all right, this is this is the drive where you know we find out what Jared Goff is made of. You know, is it going to be the same old Goff, or is it going to be this you know new gritty Lions Goff? And then I I think about one play later after I said that out loud, uh, he throws a pick. So it's like, well, there's that. So uh, that's a little bit concerning. Um, you know, this, this is a potential playoff matchup. So y- you want to see your starting quarterback um, at least prevent turnovers uh, when, when going against the, these good defenses. Um, it's one thing if they can't put up 
um, you know, gener or historic numbers, but it's it's a completely other thing if they're turning the ball over uh, two, three times in the game. So uh, hopefully they, you know, from the Lions' perspective, they can clean that up. Um, and then Aiden Hutchinson, uh, three sacks. He he's the real deal. He is no joke. Um, I I don't know how he didn't go number one, but I know the Michigan kid. And is excited that he he went where he did, and I I know the uh, Dan Campbell and the Lions are too because, man, he he's legit. Ben, well, you stole the Aiden Hutchinson thing right out of my right out of my mouth. He's actually been quiet the past eleven weeks, three sacks, not getting double teamed very much, not really getting pressure off the edge as much. But he loves prime time. That's when he really seems to step up the biggest. These are the moments that he really loves, and <laughs> he shows up with three sacks here. And uh, was just seemingly everywhere. It was just a perfect night for him. I mean, he really steps up big in some of these games. We were looking for it back on Thanksgiving, right? It, it never did come to pass. But he shut, he shut it, showed up here against the Cowboys, and just a tremendous game for him. And so, uh, you know, even back at Michigan, he really seemed to love the Ohio State matchups. That's when he really seemed to step up the biggest in some of these some of these bright light games. So uh, I was going to mention that as well. But anyway, uh, I don't feel too great about either team, to be honest. I mean, they got a lot of work to do. You know, I mean, we've watched them get pushed around more than once this year. So hats off to them for playing each other in a tight game. But if I'm the fan of either team, but the coach will be the team, I'm like, man, we got a lot of work to do here. If we're going to roll into the 49ers, you know, on the road in the playoffs, the Eagles on the road in the playoffs, or running the, each other again in the playoffs. I mean, you know, they got a lot of work to do here, both teams. Simon? Yeah, a couple other small points I have to, to your point Ben I'll say one one nice thing about the Cowboys here and then one not so nice thing about the Cowboys they did hold the lines to what four of 13 on third down and a lot of those were like third and short run attempts and and this was the Cowboys team that got pushed around by the Bills in in the run game just two weeks ago in that that primetime game we watched um and so the I mean the Lions ran successfully 125 yards on the ground but when it came to those, you know, third and short plays, they they were able to get stops. So that was impressive for that defensive line that that we've talked about being a little light, needing a little bit of work still when it comes to those uh, kind of gritty yards. But what was the big thing we said about this Cowboys team going into the season? How would Mike McCarthy handle head coach and play caller duties? And talk about mismanaging the clock a little bit, right? I I, I talked about all those run pass splits, right? And, and End of the game comes around. They're up 20 to 13, and, and they've been trying to run the ball all game. And what do they start doing down down there uh, towards the end of the game in the, you know, on, on Detroit's side of the field? But they pass the ball like five times in a row, and they keep getting these incomplete passes and stopping the clock for, for Detroit, who, who's not having to, you know, really uh, or ran out of timeouts uh, during this drive. And they could have run this thing down really far and not given the, the Lions quite as much time as they gave them um, to try and get that touchdown. So like McCarthy of old is, is, you know, turn, getting his head around the corner here. We, we said it, it wouldn't Mike McCarthy being the OC wouldn't affect him in the regular season. And it hasn't, they've been a good offensive team. They're 11 and five right now, uh, but end of the year when things get tough, when there's a lot of pressure and a lot going on to be the head coach and be the play caller, we thought might be too big for McCarthy this might be the beginning of that, Ben. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll find out. Uh, <laughs> unless the Cowboys win the Super Bowl or go to the Super Bowl, it, it's not going to be happy there in Dallas no matter what happens. So, all right, anything else on this game? 
All right. Uh, there's a very good chance both these teams will meet each other in the playoffs again. We'll see. Thursday night football. The Browns beat the Jets 37-20. to 20. Ronan, first grab. Um, you know, it was it wasn't necessarily the most uh exc- I mean, you know what, fifty seven points, we, we could have definitely gotten a worse game. Uh but uh, I think the the story here is Joe Flacco. Um at the beginning of the season, he was just kind of a, a quarterback that everybody just kind of thinks back to you remember when Joe Flacco was leading the Ravens to, you know, playoff appearances. That, that was a fun time, a fun era in the NFL. Um, you know, he's bounced all around. Well, now now he's back and he's like back back. 19 to 29, 309 yards, three touchdowns, one pick because he's a gunslinger and you know, screw it. Um Joe Flacco has been looking very good. Um, and guys, th- this Browns team, right, 37 to 20 win over the Jets. This is going to be a very scary matchup for whoever they line up across. Uh, come playoff time because they have a very stout defense and they, they have a very efficient offense. Um, they are making it work without Deshaun Watson. They're you know going into the season, they're starting quarterback. They're doing it without Nick Chubb, you know, obviously one of the best running backs in the NFL. Uh, Amari Cooper has been on and off of the field. They're doing this without a lot of players. And, uh, you know, kudos to Stefanski. Um, if I were to give, you know, if I'm on the committee or w- whatever it's called to give the vote, I'm giving my coach of the year award to, to Stefanski. Um, you know, and that's not necessarily the route I might've gone three weeks ago, two weeks ago. Um, but where we stand this or yeah, this week right now, uh, it's wildly impressive to see how the Browns have been able to continue having success because, I mean, you look at the Bengals, um, they've crumpled. They had a rough start to the season, but, you know, they lost their starting quarterback and a few other pieces, and, you know, they're, they're unfortunately probably going to miss the playoffs. Uh, yet here the Browns are without, you know, their quarterback who they owe like $250 million to. They're starting running back who just so happens to be a top three rusher in the NFL. Um, they're, they're making it work, and a lot of that has to do with uh, – the defense and how stout it is and how they just suffocate offenses week after week, Simon. Yeah, the Browns have been impressive. The Browns have been impressive. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll talk more about them and, and their this playoff run in, in a little bit, but definitely impressive move by them. For this game specifically, I just couldn't believe how quickly this got out of hand. It was very much like our, our, our uh, what night was that? So, Sunday night game, the Minnesota Green Bay game. For the Jets' defense to give up 30 of these 37 points that the Browns ended up scoring on the night to this Browns offense with Joe Flacco's, you know, uh, touchdown or interception kind of play style here was was really a shock for me. Um, the, you know, by the time I got this game turned on, I, you know, I, I got my one-year-old to bed and it was like 20 to 7 and the Browns were just about to score that 27th point. And I, I messaged you guys in Slack and I just said, LOL, Jets, Browns. And then I kind of like zoned out for the rest of the game and did other stuff. The Jets' offense has just been so inept all season. Talk about quarterbacks benched, right? Um, that once they got down by two scores, there was just no hope. And and we had the sequence in the first quarter that the Jets fumbled the punt, but then they were able to stop Cleveland on downs, right? And it's like, all right, we survived. Here we go. And then they throw a pick six. And it's like, okay, never, never mind. That That's it. We, we can't do anything here. These teams have the potential 
uh, taking the season long view to be completely mirrored versions of each other. Um, they could literally finish with the flipped schedule of each other at 10 and seven and seven and 10 or 11 and six and six and 11. And they're doing it on the backs of elite defenses right now by DVOA. The Browns are second in defense. The Jets are third and miserable offenses. The Browns are still 25th, even after their 37 points against the Jets. Um, and the Jets are 32nd in defense or offensive DVOA. But the Jets offense is so far and away worse that it completely tanked their season. Um, there are just six. There are only six teams between the two in offensive DVOA, and the Jets' offense is literally three times worse than the Browns in that stat. Um, and this just goes back to the backup quarterback issue and Zach Wilson. You know, you talk about quarterback carousels, Ben, like uh, Trevor Simeon and that guy that played two games, Tim Boyle, who they they released after he played two games because they're like, never mind, man. We were just kidding about that. That didn't work out. Um, very similar years for this team in terms of how they play and the the stats that they put up in, in a lot of respects, but two very, very different results as we go into week 18 here, Ben. It is. And I think there's other teams that next year have the dilemma of, Hey, are we going to look like this as well? Cause we've got a pretty good defense in place, but how we're we looking on the quarterback side of things, it's not necessarily pretty. So how many times though, this season with the jets or the past two seasons with the jets have 17 first half points and think, Hey, we might have a chance here, but no, you mentioned the game was out of hand. They got blown out from, from almost the get-go, even scoring 17 first-half points. I mean, they would have loved that in almost any other game over the past two seasons, and yet, you know, here they go. They got no chance. Hats off to the Browns. Hats off to Joe Flacco. Hats off to, to, to Stefanski. Um, they are a legit threat in the playoffs. We'll talk more about that in the weeks ahead. But, um, you know, they've worked their way in here, even injuries notwithstanding. Um, they've worked their way in here, Simon. Yeah, absolutely. It's been it's been really impressive. And like now their specialists are hurt and they're just calling dudes up from from off the street and they're they're doing a really good job. I feel like you kicked it back to me just so I would have to continue to say nice stuff about the Browns. I don't appreciate that. I'm sorry. <laughs> would you rather talk about the Ravens? <laughs> no, no, it's all bad, Ben. I'm not I'm not having a good time. I'm I'm trying to enjoy the football and not think about it too much, but um it's not it's not going well over here. All right. Well, uh, let's move on from that fiasco. And uh, Simon's got a couple of public announcements this week. I don't think we've had PSAs in a week or two, so I, I always enjoy this segment. Simon, take it away, man. Yeah, you know, we haven't had one. We haven't had a football one either. Uh, did the first PSA about holiday driving. I hope everybody remembered my PSA through Thanksgiving and, and the holidays and Christmas and whatever else you celebrate and New Year's. And now we're on the other side of it. So let's do a PSA about some football here. I'm here to tell you a public Simon announcement that the Kansas City Chiefs can still win the Super Bowl this year, so do not count them out. And they can do it not on the back of Patrick Mahomes, not on the back of Travis Kelsey, not even on the back of Taylor Swift. Although, for those blaming her for for them losing, Taylor, you're you're 5'10, you're athletic. We see you, you know, on the on the stage dancing. Get a jersey on and go run some routes. What are you doing? Um Isaiah Pacheco is back. He had a great game last week against the Bengals. Uh, he seems to, I won't say be healthy from the shoulder injury, but just doesn't care because he's Isaiah Pacheco. He can still run the heck out of the ball. Um, and this defense is still as legit as it's been all year. I, I know they got ran all over by the Raiders, but guess what? The Raiders didn't complete a pass for like three quarters, right? Uh, Aiden Connell had like 60 yards passing that game. Um, this defense can still make plays. Uh, even after 
all of this mess for the last few weeks. The Chiefs are fourth in DVOA overall. They are sixth in offense. They're, they are down to tenth in defense. I don't, but they're you know when you could be top ten in both offensive and defensive DVOA, you're right. You are right in the mix. I've looked back for the last like five years basically with this stat, and you are in the conference championship if you're top ten in both pretty much, or, or you're at least a legitimate chance of doing that. Um, on the year, they're twelfth in the league in points scored. They're ninth in yards gained, despite this being like the worst offensive season for the Chiefs since Mahomes has become the starter. And they're third in points allowed on defense and second in yards allowed. Don't count the Kansas City Chiefs out. I know it's a mess. They can still win the Super Bowl, just not in the way we saw last year and a handful of years ago. Does anyone want to chime in on the Chiefs before my next announcement? Again, these announcements, these are just me letting you guys know things. But if you got some pushback or some thoughts, love to hear it. Mahomes, Reed, defense, Kelsey, good offensive line. Pacheco's still running the football well. They always have a chance. Agreed. Agreed. As long as they have, they punch that ticket into the playoffs, um, they're as dangerous as anybody. My second PSA, bringing you a bonus one this week, Chicago Bears. This PSA is specifically to the Chicago Bears. Draft Marvin Harrison Jr. Stop. Anything else? All don't even look at the quarterback scene. Just don't don't even pretend. Right now, the draft order is perfectly set up for them to do this. I said on my podcast a couple weeks ago with Ben and pretty much to anybody that'll listen, even just on the streets, that this team shouldn't even trade back at risk of missing out on Marvin Harrison Jr. Just sit at one and take the guy. I don't care. Screw your idea of like draft value and, oh, you could have uh, acquired a couple extra picks. You did that last year, right? You did the thing. You set yourself up for getting maybe the most slam dunk wide receiver prospect we've had in decades. Probably a little exaggeration. But anyways, now it's perfectly set up, not only from a draft standpoint, but from a franchise standpoint. You are feeling good about your team right now. I love this team going, or I like this team and I love Fields going into the season. And their over under was set at six and a half. And I was like, there's no way they get seven wins. They have seven wins going into week 18. The stadium, the city is chanting at games for Justin Fields to be the quarterback of this team next year. How do you, you – you've won like what, five of your last seven games, something like that? You've played good against good teams. You crushed the freaking Falcons this week. Don't mess around. The Cardinals right now and, – and again, this can all change next week, but it's perfectly set up for right now. The Bears right now have the first overall pick courtesy of the Carolina Panthers. The Washington Commanders have the second overall pick. The New England Patriots have the third overall pick. The Arizona Cardinals have the fourth overall pick. You can look at Washington. You can look at New England. You could say, you guys want a quarterback? If you do, Washington, what are you going to trade me for the first overall pick? You can move to two or three, take Marvin Harrison Jr. before the Cardinals are there, because guess what? The Cardinals are keeping Kyler Murray, guys. I'm finally on board. You can do this. You can do. You can actually trade back, and you can get the guy before the Cardinals do. Please do it. Please, please just do it. Do it, Chicago. Um, any notes on that one? Absolutely agree. I while while I'm happy if I'd rather keep Fields, and I'm happy if they draft Caleb Williams. You have to go Marvin Harrison. You have to make sure you walk away with Harrison. Whatever else you do, you have to get Marvin Harrison because you mentioned it. He's got everything at wide receiver. He's a slam dunk. He looks like a guy who will be in the league for 15 years and looks like a guy who will dominate for 15 years. I mean, everything is there. 
We mentioned it on your podcast last week, the height, the wingspan, the speed, the hands, the bloodlines. I mean, it's all there. Two, two years of tape. I mean, you name it. It's all there. I mean, other than an injury, but hey, what else have you got to, you know, what else have you got going on here? You got 20 years worth of draft picks that haven't worked out. So get Marvin Harrison, keep him for the next 15 years. Do what you want to do at quarterback. I'm still okay if they keep fields. I'm okay if they go with Williams, but get Marvin Harris. Ronan. I like it. Um, I, I think going Marvin Harrison that one uh, would definitely be ideal. Um, I, I think had it seems like Eberflus is going to stick around. I think a report came out past couple of days that Eberflus is going to be stick around, sticking around next year. So I, I, I would go ahead and keep fields. Um, the the only way I would consider taking a quarterback is if I were making a head coaching change, just so uh, that head coach kind of has a fresh start. They have their guy, whoever that uh, they want it to be. Um, but with Eberflus coming back, I don't see much of a, a press on you know switching quarterbacks because Fields has shown quite a bit, um, you know, in the small sample size we we've gotten to see, um, you know. I think a couple of changes need to be made. Um, they rely way too heavily on passes that, you know, go stay behind the line of scrimmage. And, uh, you know, for those you know, screen play, plays to work, you've got to be able to push the ball downfield. Um, you know, the, those screen play, plays are most effective whenever defenses are dropping back in anticipation, you know, that the ball's going to be thrown 10 yards, 15 yards down the field. Uh, and, you know, that's whenever those blocks are made. That's whenever big plays are made. So uh, I, I think changes definitely need, definitely need to be made in Chicago, but I, I don't think it necessarily needs to be a quarterback. Ben? All right. Anything else on PSAs, Simon? Got a third one buried in there? Well, I just want to say Ronan loves Eberflus because did you guys see his video, the video where he, he's got a nickname for everybody and he's dapping everybody up pregame? I think it was before the Falcons game. Ronan, did you see that? Big nickname guy. I didn't. I didn't. But he just scored some points with me. He's been he's been kind of on my my bad list uh, ever since he got yep. he got hired in Chicago. But you know what? That, that gets some brownie points for sure. All right, let's go to the barbecue. Ben's burning questions. I've got, uh, I don't know, three, four, five of them. We'll see what we actually get to here We're in our in our uh, podcast. I'm going to start off with uh, a bit of a new theme because it's the final week of the season, regular season. And while a lot of teams are eliminated, some teams have kind of already locked up what they got. And some teams are kind of in a gray area about whether or not they want to go for something a little extra. So we've got about six teams we're going to talk about here about whether or not to sit the starters or keep them out there for, for the game. And and I would rather not, if you really want to go halfies here and go, well, I would play them the first half and sit the second half you can. But I would rather just take it as a, hey, play them or don't kind of a thing. If, if uh, I think that would be, make uh, a little bit more sense here. But the first one up is the Ravens. Uh, they've kind of got everything locked up on the AFC side, but I think they're playing the Steelers if memory serves. And, you know, beating the Steelers and keeping the Steelers out of the playoffs is extra delicious. So, Simon, sit them or play them. Listen, Ravens, do the right thing. Just sit your guys, man. Maybe don't even, like, address a quarterback. I don't know. You want to have those guys all ready for, for the playoffs. We saw what happened in the Niners last year. Let uh, every broadcaster's favorite player, Patrick Ricard, run the Wildcat and, and just play it safe. Just just sit all your starters. In all seriousness, yes, actually sit your starters. You, you've locked up the one seed. Uh, and 
crushing the other good teams in the NFL. They shouldn't care who's in the playoffs and who's not in the playoffs. Say your guys. I'm right there with you, Simon. Uh, I, I say sit them. You have the one seed locked up. Uh, there's no sense in, in getting your guys hurt. The Ravens have been bitten multiple times over by the injury bug. Uh, why risk it? I'd go ahead and sit them as well. I don't know if we've talked about this a lot, but um, I'm not the kind of guy who really likes to sit people or talk about losing games so I can get higher draft picks. But when I know I've got a team that is ready to win a Super Bowl, I am going to sit every guy. I don't care if we lose 40 to nothing to my hated Steelers. We are not going to risk an injury to Lamar or an injury to one of those wide receivers or one of those O-linemen or one of these fantastic Kyle Hamilton. Are you freaking kidding me? I'm not going to risk an injury when I'm getting ready to roll here in a couple of weeks and play some serious football. So I'm ready. You know, I don't care about this game. Listen, we'll start the backups. We'll coach them up. We'll play hard. We'll try to beat the Steelers anyway. Anybody that's got any value at all that I don't have to play, I mean, I got to play somebody, right? But I, I'm going to sit as many guys as I can. There is no chance that I'm starting anybody here of any value for the Ravens. All right, Ronan, you're up first. The Kansas City Chiefs, I think – I haven't followed all of this down, but I think the Chiefs have a chance to catch the two-seed still. But in theory – and, again, I haven't looked at tiebreakers. Maybe they could drop to the four-seed. I haven't looked at that part. But anyway – um. They, they, they got some wiggle room there. Ronan, would you sit them or start them? This one's a little bit tougher, Ben. Um, the Chiefs have kind of been a hot and cold team, and I think it would be very beneficial for them to go out there against a struggling Chargers team, uh, you know, going full force, 100%, all starters out there. Um, just because it, Mahomes – we I don't think he needs those reps, right? He's Patrick Mahomes, but – I think maybe his teammates might um, just to gear up for this postseason. Um, I, I think at some point, maybe going into this weekend, uh, a, a statistic was released where the Chiefs have around 40 drops throughout the season, which is just completely and utterly insane. Um, we're, we're talking about a team that that's dominated the league over the course of the past couple of years uh, to the point where, you know, we, we've debated calling them a dynasty. And here they are this year with 40 dropped passes from their, you know, 50-plus million-dollar quarterback. Um, I I would go ahead and start them. Um, obviously, it's a roll of the dice because if you get one of your guys injured, um, that can derail uh, your, your playoff kind of – and maybe, maybe not entirely derail everything, but it can change things. Uh, you, you get a guy banged up on that offensive line, and uh, the, the unit looks a little bit different. So I, I'd say start them cautiously, um, you know, not to take the, the easy way out. But, you know, if you're up three scores in the first half in the third quarter, uh, that's probably whenever you start sitting everybody down and uh, thinking about next week. Simon, what do you think? Yeah, you you got to play him. Two seed is still up for grabs. Arrowhead is a great home field advantage. You need some momentum. Uh, you need some positivity. Beating the snot out of the Chargers would really do it. And I, I saw a report just today, actually, that they had pared down the playbook going into last week, going into the Bengals game to try and help with the receivers, getting some consistency. If you're still doing that or you're trying to work it back up, yeah, you got to get reps for those guys and, and just get some positivity going. So definitely start them. Ben? 
If I, I, I would sit them personally because I just don't want Mahomes getting injured. That's really my big thing here. But uh, I, I figure they're going to start them. If I knew for sure I could grab the two seed with a win, but I don't know that. If I knew for sure that I could void Cleveland or Buffalo in the first round and catch maybe the Colts, I would do it. But other than that, I, I can't see that there's a huge difference here in grabbing that two versus the three. So um, I would sit them just out of fear of losing Mahomes, to be honest. But I, I figure they're going to play them is what I figure is going to happen here. All right, next team up, the Cleveland Browns. Simon. Uh, sit starters. You've locked yourself into the five seed. You've been dealing with injuries all season long. You continue to take some injuries in, in this game last week, I'm pretty sure even. Um, you, you've proven all you need to with this group. You are who you are. You've locked into the five. Sit them. Ronan? I agree. Sit them uh, for all the same reasons. You, you can't. You can't risk uh, adding more names to your injury report. Um, you, like, like you said, they've been dealing with it all year long um, <laughs> to the point where they're without their starting quarterback and their starting running back. Uh, but yet here they are still trucking along. Uh, so sit them, keep them healthy. Agreed, sit them. Dangerous playoff team. They're going to be uh, they're gonna be dangerous for somebody. All right, Ronan, Lions. I... I... You know that 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 loss to the Cowboys probably has a, a pretty bad taste in Dan Campbell's mouth, uh, and I have a a pretty hard time seeing him sit all of his starters. So I'm going to go ahead and say start him, uh, just because it's the Lions and their their entire mantra is grit and grind. Um, and in terms of seeding, I, I don't know how that will necessarily fall, uh, whether they get that two or that three seed. It seems more likely that they get that three seed. Um, but I think with a couple stipulations, they can potentially get that two seed, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know what? I, I say stardom. Yep. I say stardom as well. You can get the two seed. You can get the home field advantage for two games. They need that. Um, and, yeah, you probably – you same as – like, because of that Cowboys game, you probably won a, a – more positive taste in your mouth um, going into the postseason. So I say start him, Ben. I agree for all the all the reasons you mentioned, and I don't think Dan Campbell's a sit him kind of guy unless he just absolutely knew he had everything locked up that he could. So, yeah, I agree for all of those reasons. All right, uh, Simon, the 49ers. Just like the Ravens, man, sit him. Uh, you, you dealt with injuries. You literally did. You were the team I referenced when we talked about the Ravens um, or, or uh, just a few minutes ago. Sit them. You've locked in the one seed. You've got all the momentum you need. You're good to go. Sit them. Ronan? Agreed. Sit them. No sense in uh, getting your, one of your uh, stars injured. Got that one seed locked up. Um, you just had a, a good showing last week. No sense in adding a – even if it's a bad performance, right? Purdy goes out there, throws three picks, might mess with his head. Uh, you just – you don't need to roll that dice. Sit them. I, I agree. You had the get right game right with the commanders. You look pretty good. You got that victory under your belt. Everything's locked up. So why, why risk anything there? All right, uh, the Rams, Ronan. I say start them. Um, it's if you can get that six seed, I think that would be very very big. Um, just truthfully, trying to stay the heck away from San Francisco, um, no matter the cost. Just try to stay out of San Fran's way. Try to get someone else to bounce them. They've been the Rams' kryptonite, however. They knocked them out in the NFC Championship, so you never know. Uh, but I, I say start them, 
at, at least until you know you got the win. Um, Stafford has had injury history, as has Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua um, and Kyron Williams. There's been a lot of guys on that offense that have been getting banged up this year. So it's a, obviously a roll of the dice, just as said pretty much for all of the other ones. Uh, but I think that's a roll of the dice you kind of have to take, try to improve your seating or at least submit your seating. Uh, and try to try to play the Lions in that awesome opening round because that would just be beautiful. Simon, I'm double checking now because the the game schedule for the weekend came out later. When do when do all these teams play? So the Lions play. Oh, they play at one o'clock, and then the Cowboys don't play till four twenty five. Okay, so they they don't really have an advantage there. I kind of I kind of doubt that the Rams see a difference between the Cowboys and the Lions, especially just after that game, right? Now, if you're like, "Ooh, we could play the Eagles," like maybe you try to catch that. Um, so that would be a little bit more enticing. I think I'm not trying to position myself for the 49ers any which way because you got to get through the first game first. Um, I'm saying start, but if someone like does have some sort of nagging, like Cooper Cup, like I don't, I don't know what his status is off the top of my head, but like that dude's been dealing with injuries all year. I'm not, I'm not playing Cooper Cup. If Aaron Donald stubs his toe at practice tomorrow, uh, sit on, sit on down, my man. You're, you're good. I'm not messing around with anybody that's nicked up. But if you're healthy, yeah, you're playing. Because if I, if I do see a difference between some of those teams, or uh, I think there's a chance I get to play Philadelphia if I, if I win. Then I'm I'm going for it. Um, I'm not looking too far ahead though. So so I'm starting guys that are healthy. Ben, I'm sitting all these guys. There's not a chance I'm playing <laughs> any of them, man. I listen. Hey, I'm not even going to practice hard this week. I, I'm going to put Aaron Donald in a rocking chair. I'm going to let him get all the back massages he's want. I'm going to send him to every spa I can get him sent to. Don't even come to practice this week, Aaron. We don't even, we don't even want you stubbing your toe at practice, right? And Matthew Stafford, man, he's one hit away from a you know, a crutch or a, or a wheelchair. So there's no freaking way I'm starting him this week. And I think I've, man, I have, I have coached and played my butt off to be in a spot where hardly anybody, certainly not Ben Parker, thought that we could get this year. I'm not going to risk that having gotten this far. We're playing pretty well. We're executing well. We're doing a lot of things well. Besides that, you know, the backup of this is I'm not sure if any of these jabronis lining up behind me are good enough to actually step up and get that ninth win. And catch the tiebreaker on me. So the Packers, the Seahawks, the Saints, the Vikings, I mean, the uh, not the Bears, but Falcons. Yeah, which one of them is going to step up and catch me? Half of them can't. And the other two, I don't even know that they're going to, even even with the win and tiebreak. So, you know, heck, I might even, with McVay coaching it up, they might even win without all the starters playing. So, I, you know, there's zero chance I'm starting any of these people for the Rams. I just wouldn't do it. But I certainly understand why they might. Because if you can catch a favorable, favorable matchup in the playoffs, you know why not? I totally understand. On that ben got me side. fired up. I'm changing my answer, and I want to see Carson Wentz play a game. So <laughs> yes. did everybody have Carson Wentz throw to the Marcus Robinson <laughs> and Tutu Atwell, and and let's roll, baby. Yeah. I didn't even check to see who they were playing this week. I don't even care. But who who are the Rams playing this week? Niners. Playing, oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Good gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wait. Sid. Can we have Sam Darnold versus Carson Wentz? <laughs> Prime time, baby. Talk about in, what man. games we're talking about next week. Right here. Carson Wentz versus Sam. I just got so excited. Let's go. Backup ball. Just like Georgia and Florida State, man. Let's roll. <laughs>
All right, so uh, let's do a quick throw a flag segment. If you got one, um, Ronan. Yeah, uh, my flag's going to be on the Miami Dolphins for allowing the Baltimore Ravens to drop 56 on their heads uh, this past weekend. Lamar Jackson was 18 of 21 for 321 yards for five touchdowns, no interceptions. Lamar Jackson, here is your second MVP. Um, and you know what? I'm also going to throw like like a second flag on the play on the Dolphins because they completely <laughs> tanked Tyreek Hill's MVP chances. Um, they, they made Lamar look too good. They Tyreek had, let's see, six receptions, 76 yards. So, I mean, he was the team's leading receiver. Uh, no touchdowns, but um, just, just completely tanked Hill's uh, MVP chances. Lamar Jackson, congratulations. Here's your MVP. And Simon, you were completely right. It, it really just comes down to how or how players look in the last five games of the season. Um, because I mean, I guess Lamar's been in the mix throughout the entire season, but man, it, it's it's been cemented these past couple of weeks. But Simon, I'm gonna kick it to you. What is your penalty flag for this week? David Tepper, man. We I can't believe it. It's taken this long considering my rant uh, a couple of weeks ago about him. David Tepper gets my flag. Throws his drink on a Jacksonville Jaguars fan at the end of the game. You're already getting shut out, um, in your home stadium, and just like you throw throw a drink at a dude on on your way out the door. Just horrible stuff. I mean, it's bad enough when when an owner is making overstepping in in football decisions and game day decisions as as Tepper has as as we've talked about, um, but to now assault people uh in, in your own stadium is it, just gross and, and egregious and terrible and, and unfortunately like we haven't had any statement by the nfl or the panthers or tepper to this point it, we probably won't um hilarious tweets though about like man if I, if that was me that ice cube would have like uh cracked my vertebrae or like given me a concussion like i hope that person's cashing in um but Penalty flag on David Tepper. Now, I now I think we can say officially the league's worst owner. Ben? Yeah, I, I like the flag there. I'm actually throwing a flag on the Carolina Panthers, I, although I love your flag better, Simon. I'm throwing a flag here on the Panthers. So they got Jacksonville rolling in on a four-game losing streak. The Jaguars had given up 21 or more points in five straight games, and you get shut out. You're not even in this game. 26 to nothing. They don't have Lawrence. They have C.J. Beathard out there, which should fire you up, right? You even had Bryce Young coming off of the best game of his young career, in which he lit up the Packers for 300 and some yards, and I think you know two or three touchdowns, and I don't think zero or one picks. It was a fantastic game from Bryce Young. And you score nothing, absolutely nothing. You were almost never in this game, which, oh, by the way, the Panthers have not been in a lot of games this year. So, you know, way to close the year out strong, Carolina. Flag on you and double flag for Tepper. All right. So that's our flag segment. Anybody else got any more? No, sir. All right. We've roasted enough people. Let's move on. Who's fighting to keep their job this week? Uh, just give us uh, one name if you got one. And uh, Ronan, you first. You know what? I'm going to go with a different perspective here. I'm going to go with Pierce in Las Vegas. Um, he's had a, a pretty good run as an interim head coach. Um, I, I don't know if this week will necessarily be uh, the, the deciding factor, but, you know, taking over after McDaniels was fired, uh, kind of retooling this team, uh, kind of bringing them back together. 
Uh, I think that he might be playing for, uh, at least he has been playing for his job here, uh, but um, it's potentially for an extension uh, rather than getting fired. You know, interim head coach doesn't typically stay around, but uh, he's he's been making a case. Simon, what is your, or who is your uh, person fighting for a job this weekend? Arthur Smith, man, we said it, I think it was just two weeks ago, the last time we, we did this podcast, and the, the Atlanta Falcons have lost three of their last four games. They get trounced by the Chicago Bears in the midst of uh, trying to win the division still. Meanwhile, the Saints get a win. Obviously, the Bucks lose, lose by 20 points, Uh, you know, just after trying to feel good about the, that Colts win. But you've lost to the Panthers, you've lost to the Bucks, you've now lost to the Bears big three of the last four weeks. And now you're going to play the Saints, and I don't think they're officially eliminated. I think they probably beat the Saints and the the Bucks lose again. They they can win the division and get in the playoffs. But it's been an embarrassing year for Arthur Smith. I mentioned benching Desmond Ritter two different times this year, multiple losing streaks, um, all the run-ins with the media. I would say Arthur Smith is my number one guy fighting for his job in Week 18, Ben. I like both of your picks real quick because Pierce, I think, has a very good chance of keeping that job, but you'd love to see him finish out strong five and four with a winning record versus a two-game losing streak at the end, right? So I, I would like to see that. Uh, he may get it anyway, even if he loses, but still you'd like to see him win and, and really put the final nail in the coffin on that. And then um, uh, the guy you mentioned, Simon, I, I agree there too with Smith. You don't want to end out with, what, four losing four out of five and missing the playoffs you'd at least like to be able to say, hey, we won two of the last three, and we had a shot at the playoffs on the last weekend, even if we didn't quite get in. You don't want to be saying, hey, four out of five, we didn't have a shot. So um, I agree there. So you took both of the both of the names I was really looking at there. Um, the name I'm pulling up here is Dennis Allen from the Saints. Um, again, he may lose, miss the playoffs, and still keep his job, but you don't want to be on that side of it. You want to win and get in the playoffs and not worry about that. So Dennis Allen is certainly a guy I think is sitting right there on the bubble, and you want to have a nice clean win here to finish out the season and get yourself in the playoffs there if you're Allen and the Saints. Uh, next, very quickly, we're wrapping this up. Most surprising team that's already got a playoff spot locked up. Simon. I'll just say the Browns. We mentioned all those injuries they've had when, when – um you know, Deshaun Watson was officially ruled out for the year. I I, I admittedly thought it was just going to be over like a lot of people did. Um, so hats off to them. Like we said, uh, they're my most surprising team to clinch a playoff spot so far. Ronan, how about you? You know, I'm, I'm going to have to go with the Rams um, after struggling last year, not having a first round pick, uh, turning around very young team. There were reports that Matthew Stafford couldn't connect with his young receivers. Uh, he connected with one young receiver, and he might end up having the best rookie season uh, for a receiver of all time. So I, I would say uh, that that ended up working out all right. Um, the, the offensive line really, really stepped up. Stafford hasn't been pressured nearly as much as uh, people were anticipating him to. Uh, the defense has looked phenomenal. Kobe Turner, I believe, has tied Aaron Donald's uh, sack record as a rookie uh, at nine. So, I mean, there's your sleeper pick for defensive rookie of the year right there, Kobe Turner. Uh, and then Byron Young, not far behind him. He's been a menace uh, there on the edge. So lot, lots of uh, young, exciting players for the Rams stepping up and uh, leading them to a playoff appearance this year, Ben. Love the Browns, but I give them half a chance. 
I give the Rams no chance. It's got to be the Rams for me. <laughs> I said, hey, three or four wins. They're lucky to get that. Nope, here they are. They might even sit their starters possibly. They've already got this thing locked up. So uh, love the Rams here. All right. So what team has been eliminated already that is the most surprising that you thought maybe had a chance? Ronan. You know, uh, there are definitely a couple. Um, but I'm going to go with the Chargers just because um, the the talent that is all littered all over that roster, offensively, defensively, uh, even, you know, a lot of us like the head coach to a certain extent. Um, you know, maybe a couple of years ago, I was kind of calling for his head a year ago, but um, there were so many expectations for this Chargers team. And they they just fell flat right on their face. Um, it, the downfall was the playoffs last year, choking it away to Jacksonville. Uh, that was kind of the beginning of uh, going downhill. And now it's just snowballed into Staley getting fired, Herbert out for the year, Williams out for the year, Eckler, you know, losing carries, uh, the defense just looking atrocious. So uh, I'm going to have to give it to the Chargers. Simon, what do you think? So it's funny for, and we'll hear what Ben has for this one, but for both these, I took a much more like recent memory lens, right? Saying saying the Browns based on what happened mid-season. Um, my pick here is just based on the last couple of weeks, Ronan, kind of the, the preseason thoughts in terms of what we thought about the Chargers and, and Rams. Mine's the Broncos. I, I mean, the way that they were in the middle of the season, the way they were playing, and even just, I think three weeks ago, I did a, a an AFC wildcard kind of snapshot. And I was like, yeah, they'll be like week 18. They'll still be in it right by week 18. Um, and I mean, they were going into week 17 and they win and they ended up being eliminated. Um, but losing to that Patriots team, like that was just something I did not foresee. And that that really killed their their chances. I think they really needed to be perfect down the stretch of an easy schedule. And they did not do that. So I think based on just where I was a month ago, even for a non-believer in this Broncos team like I was, um, I, I was sure that they'd be in it at this point of the year still. So I'm, I'm surprised they're eliminated, Ben. You took both my teams. I'm going to add a third one here in a second, but let me real quick hit Chargers. That was my preseason pick to be in the AFC title game. Um, even though I wasn't necessarily the hugest Staley fan, I thought, hey, they're going to be good enough to get there. They're nowhere near it. Um, you mentioned, I, I think I even said on this podcast two or three weeks ago, I said the Broncos, if they get in, are one of the most dangerous teams out there. And they've just completely fizzled out the past three or four weeks. And now it's gone from, hey, we got a chance to, we got a big mess on our hands. So those are two of the teams. I'll toss in the Bengals simply because of two weeks ago, they had a, they were fiery hot, having beaten some pretty decent teams with a three-game winning streak with Jake Brennan as their backup. And then all of a sudden comes crashing down to earth with a typical Mike Tomlin Steelers uh, win there, and then the Chiefs uh, grind out a victory over the Bengals, and, they, and then they're done. That's it, you know? Door shut, bye. See you next year. Bring back Burrow next time. So, I mean, that's it. Um, but two weeks ago, I would have thought the Bengals had a very good chance, and they did. They were in and have now played them played, played themselves out. Simon, we're done, man. Shut us down. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of this Dad Sheet Podcast. We appreciate you all kind of – Holding, holding, holding strong through through uh two weeks of catch up that we had to play here this week. Uh, really appreciate it. We will be back to talk all things week eighteen and playoff preview next week, same time, same place. Make sure you're following the pod at Stat at Statue Pod on Twitter. Follow Box Score Network at B Score Network. Listen to all of our sister pods for Ronan, for Ben, for me. Thank you all so much. Have a good week. Talk to you soon. <laughs>